Warning, this podcast contains adult language. It may not be suitable for younger or more sensitive listeners. You You have been warned. Welcome back to the creepiest show, This Side of the Netherworld, this spooky show. We're your guides of the damned, the damned good looking, that's for damn sure, <laughs> the ghoul babes. I'm Jade, and the only thing spookier than the stories we're about to cover here today is my dating life. It's a ghost town. <laughs> and I survived demonic possession, and all I got was this stupid t-shirt. I'm Lauren. And I'm Vivian. I enjoy long walks on the beach, candlelit dinners, and screaming eternally into the whispering void. We all enjoy that. Yes. Who doesn't? Good Friday night. <laughs> and today we'll be discussing the haunted and paranormal past of one of our hometowns. So we all sat down in a circle, took a knife, some vials of blood, and some long pieces of wood, and yeah, who are we kidding? We volunteered Jade for this one. We did. We yeah, totally did. We just volunteered her as tribute. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> So, Jade, your hometown is Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. How long did you live there before moving to Vegas? I lived there for way too long. All of my formative <laughs> years, 2 to eight, uh, to 18, so 16 years. That's a long time. Yeah. That's longer than I thought that you lived there, actually. Yeah, I, I thought it was like a temp, like, a, oh, I lived there five to six years, and then, uh, I don't really remember much. And then you, like, moved out here, like, when you, you know, before high school. Like, for some reason, I had that in my head. I don't know why I had that I don't in my know head. Why either. I had the same thing going. Yeah, no, I uh, was born in Pennsylvania, and after my mom got married, uh, we moved down to Myrtle Beach uh, so he could be close to his family, and after they split and I graduated high school, we went off to Vegas. Cool, so you, it was kind of a family sort of deal the yeah. reason you moved down there. Gotcha. And then it, when you lived down there, did you hear any stories about particular spots in town or places or that were rumored to be haunted or anything like that? I mean, it's the South, so we were... <laughs> We were in a lot of wars. True. Um, in case you didn't know, fun history fact, uh, Mer- uh, South Carolina was the first uh, state to secede. So lots of wartime ghosts. Adelaide Castle is pretty popular for that and Huntington Beach. Um, a lot of the plantations and uh, the places in Charleston are also pretty haunted. That, that makes sense. There's there were a lot of Civil War battle sites, you know, especially Sumter. Mm-hmm. Uh, fort Sumter was the first fort that was fired on during the Civil War, and um, a lot of that. There's going to be a lot of haunted history around around there, I'd imagine. Whole lots of Civil War ghosts. Right. Ghosts. Well, it so happens that we have each done a little bit of research into three different tales of famed restless spirits. But first, let's set the scene with a brief history of Myrtle Beach itself. Prior to the arrival of European settlers, <clears throat> foreign invaders. <laughs> the area was inhabited by the native Waccamaw tribe. The first European settlers arrived in the Long Bay area in the late 18th century, attempting to expand the plantation system out towards the ocean. Although, unless you're farming seaweed, I'm not sure why you'd even bother. Ugh, get, just get seaweed away from me. As far away from me as possible. You really don't like seaweed. No, I don't. I will pay extra to keep it off of my plate. What about sushi? Ew. Yeah. Oh, God. Same. <laughs> Ugh. I'm with Lauren on this the one. The two of you are such savages. Yeah, so if you ever want to go out for sushi, just make don't sure... Don't invite these yeah, two. Don't, don't invite us. I don't you like You can fish. invite me. It's fine. That's cool. The records from this early period are sparse at best, gleaned from old land-grant documents. The settlers met with mixed results when crop farming, producing unremarkable amounts of indigo and tobacco, because uh, it's sand, and it's not really well known for being really fertile soil. No, absolutely so not. You plant you're... shit on the beach, it's not going to grow right right have you ever seen anything grow on the beach nope just hermit crabs just hermit Hermit. crabs which we all know are planted they are (laughs) they're planted by the crab god (laughs) the crab god snip snap plants them every night by the moon (laughs) snip snap we pray to thee (laughs) that's where they come from i'm just i'm just (laughs) spouting facts here people so the crops are mostly of an inferior quality because sand prior to the american revolution most of the area remained fairly uninhabited Though several families were granted land along the coast, including the Withers family, John, Richard, William, and Mary. Ooh, those are some bread. wonder bread names. <laughs> white, white guilt, milk <laughs> white toast, bread, ass milk names. toast. 
Oh, it's the Miracle Withers Whip. family. John, Dick, Billy, and Mary. <laughs> the Withers. This Withers sounds like a pompous-ass name. Pompous-ass Withers. They received an area around present-day Withers Swash. 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 A new chapter in the area's history and lore was introduced after English colonists settled in the area. Suddenly, goods and supplies needed to be imported and exported across the ocean. By the 1700s, scores of pirates had taken to the high seas to intercept cargo vessels and make off with the goods. Yar! 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 says I. <laughs> the South Carolina coastal waters were especially productive for pirates, and the coves and inlets along the Grand Strand provided great hiding places for these marauders. I love that word. Pirates who became local legends include Edward Teach, called Blackbeard because of his coal black beard, imagine that, mm-hmm. and Drunken Jack, who was left behind on an island with a huge stash of stolen rum and was rumored to have died with a smile on his face. See, who, who wouldn't? <laughs> that's something. I love the idea of looking at somebody and being like, oh, your nickname is, you know, Lumpy Face Jim. Because <laughs> Wob- wobbly Tony. <laughs> Walks with a limp Frank. (laughs) (laughs) One-eyed Steve. (laughs) Oh, you can see that? Is that noticeable? (laughs) Yeah, we all talk about it. We all talk about it. Wait. We? (laughs) (laughs) Well, since we're on the subject of pirates, I'd like to introduce our failed volcano sacrifice from last week. It was a dormant volcano. Turned out it was Mount St. Helens. Our bad. Uh What can you do? So we uh, have to introduce our tech, Quincy, who we are probably going to keel haul later. (laughs) Looking forward to it. Um, That or walking the plank. Either one works for me. He be looking forward to it, I say. So back to our history. Meanwhile, English colonists formed Prince George Parish and laid out plans for Georgetown, the state's third oldest city in 1730. Surrounded by rivers and marshlands, Georgetown became the center of America's colonial rice empire. Which, thank goodness for that. I like rice. Rice is delicious. Rice is delicious. But you only like white rice. It's true. What's wrong with you? Hey. (laughs) Who hurt you? Who hurt you? Apparently brown rice hurt me because I don't like it. Why? (laughs) How is it any different? It's rice. No no big deal. At least least I don't eat my white rice with butter. You know what? That's how they eat it in the South. I feel attacked. Okay. Okay. I'm not I'm not that white. She's a she's a white girl. I am pretty white. She gets like when she gets like tacos or nachos or something, it's like cheese and chips and that's it. Yeah. I, I like meat. Like steak. That's it though. And that's it. Like no salsa, no you can't have sour cream because you're allergic. That's true. No guacamole because you say avocados taste like grass clippings. They do. They don't. Avocado tastes like grass clippings. I, I not that I've eaten more. grass clippings before, but oh you agree? I agree. I don't Somebody like avocado. agrees with me. <sighs> Look at that. Y'all in your palates. I can't. <laughs> I've eaten grass clippings. Avocado tastes different. Thank you. Thank you, Quincy. Nobody maybe asked I, you. Maybe I won't keel haul you this time after all. You won't just keel haul us. You know, that's fine. I'm going to make you walk the plank anyways. This is why we're making you walk the plank. It's because you disagreed with Lauren. <laughs> anyway, as the colonies gained independence, the area remained unchanged in the coast barren. The Withers family remained one of the few settlers around Myrtle Beach for the next half century. So they really just, you know, populated the whole city. That's gross. It was basically just them. (laughs) Withers the first, Withers the second, Withers the third. Speaking of which, (laughs) uh, in 1822, a strong hurricane swept the house of R.F. Withers into the ocean, drowning 18 people inside. Jesus Christ. It was either a very big house or a very small house. <laughs> a very big wave or a very low house. I'm not really sure with the the the, uh, the ratio on this one. House big enough to house 18 people. How the hell you drown inside a house? That's my question is how do you drown in a house? Who had windows open during this storm? <laughs> like, oh, look at it. Look at it rain. I you would have. the windows. I so would have. <laughs> you would have been the person that drowned 18 people because you're like, I love rain. Open the windows. That's fine. I probably would have survived. And then blub, glub, glub, glub. Glub, <laughs> And then <laughs> It's so beautiful. It's like looking up uh, like turkeys do when it rains. And They'll drown. Just drown. Mm-hmm. They're not the brightest birds. <laughs> Not to laugh at this tragedy, but, you know. It caused the Withers family to abandon their plots along the coast. 
which, left unattended, the area began to revert back to forest. That was what caused them to abandon their plots along the coast. Mm-hmm. It took drowning inside of a house. I mean, I mean that you? would chase me away. Yeah. I think I'd, I'd leave too, but... If 18 members of my family drowned in a house, which is where it's not supposed to have drowning water in it, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I don't think we were meant to be here. No. Yeah, if my brothers and also my sons just drowned, I would leave. <laughs> my brothers and also my yeah. sons. The same people. <laughs> their, their family tree is a circle. <laughs> just a stick. You can, you can count the up. family teeth on one hand. <laughs> that's good then the forest took back what was rightfully theirs no more incest all over the forest the forest is happy the forest is appeased in 1881 getting away from incest Mm -hmm. the burroughs and collins company of conway purchased much of the old plots of withers land the growing community was called newtown around the start of the 20th century in contrast to the old town of conway (laughs) apparently the really creative person who came up with the names was on vacation this entire time (laughs) And yeah, you got new town and old town. That's what you got. We got a new town. What we gonna name it? It's called a new town. All right, I'm on board. <laughs> Fun what fact: about the old one. A uh, person who named, who used to name the towns, uh, drowned in the 18. 18- Maybe that was the problem. Maybe the person that was the really creative person with names drowned in the house. There we go. So maybe that's what happened. Old town, new town. The post office named Withers was established to serve as the site of the old swash in 1888. On February 28, 1899, Burroughs and Collins received a charter to build the Conway and Seashore Railroad to transport lumber from the east from the coast to inland customers. The railroad service began on May 1, 1900, with two wood-burning locomotives. One of the engines was called the Black Mariah, which is just a really cool name, and I thought I'd throw that in there. That is a really, really cool name. That's, that's going to be the name of my firstborn. Nice. Black Mariah. Do it. <laughs> What's your first name? Black Mariah. What's your last name? Uh, Lux. (laughs) After the railroad was finished, employees of the lumber and railroad would take flat would take flat cars down to the beach area on free weekends, becoming the area's first tourists. Around the beginning of the 20th century, Franklin Burroughs envisioned turning Newtown into a tourist destination that would rival the Florida and Northwestern beaches. Burroughs died prior to the railroad's completion, unfortunately, but his sons completed the expansion of t- to the beach and established the Seaside Inn in 1901, a full 90 years before I was born. It was 78 years before I was born. You sat and did that math. I did. <laughs> it was 93 before I was born. I'm a baby. She's, She's a, a baby. baby. Around 1900, a contest was held to name the area. And Burroughs' wife suggested to name it after the locally abundant shrub, as one does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so pretty. <laughs> that shrub was the southern wax myrtle, which, true to its name, was very waxy and also very shrubby. Very shrubby. <laughs> Look Two at this shrub. Both of those things are true. <laughs> we gonna name this place after this shrub. <laughs> the Withers Post Office changed its name to Myrtle Beach, which... I would think as someone growing up there, it would be very confusing to be like, oh, I'm going to Myrtle Beach. Oh, okay. And then it's really just a post it's office. It's a post office. Like, what, how did we end up at the post office? You said we were going to the beach. That's that's like a dad joke waiting to happen. It really is. Hey, kids, you want to go to Myrtle Beach? Not yeah. A, not again, dad. The last time you made us go get stamps. <laughs> <laughs> not again. Not standing those lines. Uh, it incorporated as a town in 1938 and became a city in 1957. It is widely recognized as a large tourist attraction. The Grand Strand, as the area is known, hosts more than 14 million tourists annually. Most of those tourists do come for like spring break events. Um, biker, there's usually there's two kind of biker weeks yes, that happen there. There's regular Harley Davidson Biker Week and then Black Biker Week. Cool. And then there's mm-hmm. also. Um, I mean, there's a Ferris wheel on the on the pier. It's very it's very tourist centric. And out of those 14 million tourists that come annually, over a hundred thousand are estimated from to come from overseas. Very Santa Carla, Lost mm. Boys. At least that's the that's the vibe I get just from hearing about it. The city has a rich and somewhat tragic history that lends itself to a rich Southern Gothic tradition. Tales of unrequited love, lost lovers, and tragic demises are just some of the tales we've encountered in our research. And some of those tales we would like to share with you, starting with the one that I myself have researched, the story of Alice Flagg. Alice Flagg was the debutante who fell in love with a man her family viewed as low class. The story begins in 1849. 
Alice Flagg lived with her mother and her older brother, Dr. Allard Flagg, at the Hermitage, which was their home by the sea near the Wachesaw Plantation in Grand Strand, South Carolina. She met a man whom her family believed to be below their class, but she didn't care about that. She had fallen in love with the man and dedicated most, if not all, of her time to him, despite her family's protests. One instance saw Alice running outside to get into a carriage with her love, but her brother screamed after them to wait. He then forced the man to ride on a horse while he instead rode in the carriage with his sister, a clear display of power and dominance. Also, at this point, I really have to wonder what was going through this poor man's head. I mean, he's really into this girl, and her dickhead brother just starts, you know, throwing his weight around like this. Just starts swinging his dick around so hard that he's going to helicopter himself right <laughs> off of the plantation. Like, here we go, out of South Carolina. It's a lot faster than traveling by carriage. I mean, it's that's just true. helicopter dicking all over the place. <laughs> it ain't pretty, but it gets you there. It ain't pretty, but it gets the job done. But just imagine, what kind of man was this that he let himself be forced under the horse? Like, no, no, motherfucker, this is my carriage. Like, like just knock him out. I'm sure Alice would have been totally 100% cool with it. Just knock him the fuck out. But, but anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. So, Alice was, of course, feeling very manipulated and controlled by her family. She felt powerless under their thumb, and that, I'm sure, did absolutely nothing for her mental health. Regardless, she accepted an engagement ring from her man. Predictably, Allard refused to allow her to wear it on her finger, so she put it on a ribbon and wore it around her neck in secret. However, the ring was discovered, because things that are hidden don't tend to stay hidden for very long. It started yet another fight, however this one ended with her family sending Alice away to Charleston for school. Her family thought that this was the perfect solution, send Alice away and they no longer have to deal with this silly girl's love for a lower class man. Back then, a trip to Charleston from the Hermitage took four days by carriage, and it was a daunting trip to say the least. The two were separated, and in their eyes, the problem was solved. While in Charleston, Alice really began to feel the effects of being separated from her soulmate. She was frail, lifeless, and complained of near-constant headaches. Eventually, Alice's family was contacted about her condition, and they made the decision to pick her up and bring her back home. Allard made the four-day trip himself, but when he reached Charleston, Alice's condition had considerably worsened. She could barely even lift her head to acknowledge him. He packed her up in his carriage, and one of her school friends packed Alice's favorite dress in hopes that it would cheer her up. What she didn't know was that she was unknowingly packing the very dress her friend was to be buried in a mere few days later. Suffering through the four-day trip back home, Alice lapsed into a coma and died, seemingly of a broken heart. Her grave, simply marked Alice, resides in the burial grounds at All Saints Wakama Episcopal Churchyard. As I mentioned before, Alice was buried in her favorite dress, however her family refused to bury her with her engagement ring. Legend says Alice's ghost has been spotted both near her burial site and on the grounds of the Hermitage, searching for her missing ring. People have reported their own rings suddenly flying off of their fingers while visiting the grave. There is a lighter side to the visits to her grave. Another legend says that if you walk around her grave counterclockwise six times, then clockwise six times, stopping at the A on the gravestone, then place an offering to Alice on her grave while making a wish, your wish will come true. Taking that ritual one step further, if you do this right at the stroke of midnight, not only will your wish come true, Alice's ghost will appear in front of you. Okay, so protective, overprotective older brother to the extreme. To the creepy extreme. Yeah, 100% wanted more than just a brotherly relationship. Well, the fact that there's no dad mentioned in the story makes yeah. me think that he's kind of like taking on the dad role of like, not in my house while you live under my roof. Absolutely <laughs> not. No daughter wife sister of mine <laughs> it, it's got really creepy undertones i'm not here for it i'd punch my brother directly in the nads you also don't like your brother so there's that no i really don't <laughs> but yeah i just i don't think that she had a very healthy relationship with her brother absolutely not and mom just kind of sat by the wayside and let things happen she just kind of would throw in a yeah you listen to your brother every now and then also side note she carried him to term nine months, then looked into his eyes and named him Allard. Maybe it was the dad's name. I don't know. He's not mentioned in the story. Dr. Allard. 
And plus, okay, he was a doctor. Why wasn't he able to, like, do something about her being sick on the way back? They had four days. Oh, you know what? I didn't consider that. That she was riding back with headaches and looking, you know, really worse for the wear. Some doctor you the fuck are. Right. If I'm your patient, I'm not going to you anymore. You mean you were with her for four fucking days and you couldn't help her? And But to be fair, it was like, what, the 1800s? So... Right doctors back then were like i don't know you have ghosts in your blood you should do cocaine about it <laughs> here's some leeches bleed some you'll feel better you'll feel fine it's just the moon sickness so maybe it was that maybe he was just like yeah she's fine She'll uh fine. she's literally passed out and vomiting down her own dress she's cool it's fine no, she'll be no. fine don't don't pay attention to her she's she just, just being she's just being dramatic <laughs> broken heart what the hell is that um well two things lauren yeah one if you had a doctor like that you wouldn't see him again because you'd be dead i'd be dead much like alice (laughs) um but also two conspiracy what if there was some sort of fight between the two on the four-day trip back and mr doctor was not so kind to his sister and Ah. that led to her demise like, no, I don't want to marry you instead. How dare you not want to marry your brother? <laughs> you guys are way off on this brother thing, I think. I don't know. I mean, I it is creepy. Don't it's get me wrong. Creepy. Uh, but to be fair, it was the 1800s. It was Victorian times. It was him being the man of the house. The man's word was what went. Mm-hmm. With the father being gone or out of the picture or whatever, um, he's going to be the voice of authority. So he's going to be the one that basically sets the rules down and that she's a, and the mother are supposed to abide by right. um it's it's weird don't get me wrong but at the same time that's just how things went back then but um, that could also like... be a cause for him killing her like not even like sexual <laughs> like i want you kind of way it could be the fact that you know maybe they thought it would be easier just to kind of do away with her like to your to what you're saying right if there was like a, a conspiracy theory or they maybe they're maybe they're like hey we tried to keep them separated um, she's obviously not going to get over this guy. Maybe we should just let her die so that there's that, you know. Right. right. Like, she's not well anyway, so who's going to believe that I... He didn't intervene. Yeah. Maybe that was the... Yeah, no one's going to question yeah. anything. Yeah. And the integrity of my family still stands. Right. Like, also, oh. the name, like, Allard, he had a chip on his shoulder. No, so. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't doubt that. Also, one of the other things that I noted in my research was her grave is a very popular proposal spot, which... disrespectful just think about it like how disrespectful can you possibly be to this poor girl what done you no harm like look at this thing that you weren't allowed to do now watch me do it maybe that's why she makes people's rings fly off their fingers she's mad she's mad about it (laughs) like how dare you come here not in my house this ring's (laughs) ugly not in my house and she just yeets them right off no (laughs) we're not doing this yes too late it's been done it's recorded for the ages that's fine i I won't say it i refuse you you're gonna it's gonna happen it's gonna happen it's just gonna slip out one of these days it will i've been fighting against this this new lingo you kids are into but i am one of you kids oh no it's gonna happen so tales of tragic love are just the best aren't they they are It's all the disappointment of a real relationship without the long-term commitment. (laughs) Hope you're not too sad or scared yet, because our next tale involves more young love cut tragically short, dramatic spirits, and weather prediction. You'll see how this all ties together, I promise. Mm. I present to you the tale of the Gray Man. Accounts of a wandering ghost near Polly's Island vary from telling to telling, but one aspect remains the same. A figure dressed in gray who wanders the shore searching for his lost love. One account dates all the way back to 1822. On September 27th, a large storm made landfall near Charleston. Legend has it that a young sailor was traveling on horseback through the marshes on his way back home. He'd been abroad for two years and was desperate to get home to see his fiancée so that they could set a date for their upcoming wedding. But sadly, that wedding was never to be. After taking a shortcut through the marsh, he drove his steed directly into a pool of quicksand and perished. His fiancée, upon hearing of his tragic death, was overcome with grief herself. She began wandering the shore for long hours, seeking any trace of him. As the sun began to set, she caught sight of a shadowy figure. As the shadowy gray figure approached and drew closer, she recognized the face of her lost lover. Then as suddenly as he had appeared, he vanished. Later that evening, the fiancée woke distressed, having seen the gray man in her dreams and became again overcome with sorrow. 
The girl's father decided that for his daughter's mental well-being, the family needed to depart the home that was so associated with tragedy and return to their main house further inland. The very next day, a hurricane destroyed the entire area, leaving many homes destroyed and many people dead. Had the girl's family not fled the night before, they likely would have perished in the storm too. Ever since then, people along the shore have reported seeing the Gray Man right before a devastating hurricane strikes the area. The last reported sighting of the helpful specter was as recent as 2018, when Hurricane Florence hit, and just before that, when Hurricane Hugo made landfall in 1989. Residents Jim and Clara Moore were interviewed by the television show Unsolved Mysteries just after the events of Hurricane Hugo. They told their story how they had seen the gray man on the beach and how he had disappeared when they waved to him. Oddly, their house was spared from the storm, while the homes of their neighbors were severely damaged. Others who have encountered the spirit also credit him with saving their homes. Either they have come ashore or left the area after sighting him, only to return to find their homes and belongings untouched by the severe storm winds and rain. While no one knows who the mysterious gray man really was, as his name has been long lost to history, some theories have included people such as Percival Polly, for whom the island is named, Plowden Charles Generette Weston, an early resident who owned what is now the famed Pelican Inn, or perhaps most famously, Edward Teach, as we know, otherwise known as the infamous pirate Blackbeard. While his identity will forever remain a mystery, is it possible that a spirit dressed in gray wanders the shore searching for a lost love from centuries ago, appearing to people only before violent storms as a cautionary warning in order to spare their lives? Or is it just a local legend? You decide. So obviously this is a man who wanted to be a weatherman. I mean, maybe. Mm, maybe that was his whole name. career. Go. Great weatherman name. It's, well, stormy something, obviously. Stormy. Nope, yep, this is taking me somewhere. Nope. Nope. <laughs> this is taking me to a place that I don't really want to go. Also, how did he die again? Uh, He died in quicksand. Yeah. In quicksand, which, side note, as a kid, I thought that was going to be a much bigger deal than it was. Or yeah, than it right. actually ended up being. Yeah, you it? apparently, thought we discussed that in the last episode, that you said something about quicksand and also you thought hurricanes. Like, you were attributing all kinds of weather that we don't have in Vegas to Vegas. Right, <laughs> and I was born and raised here, so I don't know where any of this came from. However, I can definitely say uh, the never-ending story scarred me for life. Yeah, and he basically never-ending storied his horse, pretty much. Just he right did. into the quicksand. Oh, I want to know the horse's name. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. We don't know the horse's name either. I'm kidding. He actually seems like a very a very kind spirit who wants to just save people, so I'm I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, I'm on board with this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is kind of nice that he uh, decided to use his afterlife as a way to protect other people. Not Which, what I would do. Right. He doesn't <laughs> he doesn't haunt people per se, and he doesn't seem to be a mysterious or mischievous poltergeist. He's just like, hey, a storm's coming, y'all should leave. Right. Even when they like waved to him and attempted to engage him in some sort of conversation, nah, he just disappeared. It's like, just by seeing me, hopefully you guys know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You guys know what I'm all about. Speaking of mysterious happenings, uh, we're going to flash forward to the Roaring Twenties, which we all know is known for flappers, prohibition, and green lights on the end of docks. Yeah, I hate that book. Look at you, Gatsby. <laughs> I really hate that one. I do too. Yeah, it wasn't great. Movie was also pretty awful. I didn't Sorry, even Leo. see the movie. I mean, I'm beginning to think this isn't necessarily a classic of American literature. <laughs> no, I didn't even see the movie. I hated the book so much. So, to be fair, there are a lot better F. Scott Fitzgerald books. Mm -hmm. There are way better ones than that one. I just hate that. I just hate that one. I do, too. I don't know why they make kids read it in school. They're so much better. Ugh. I, I have to It's agree. all about the futility of the American dream. I mean, Which... I get it. <laughs> I get it. I relate. <laughs> but which that actually ties into what we're talking about today. Um, but before we get to there, something that was also pretty popular during the 1920s were swimming pools. Huh. Or one in the Great Gatsby. Yeah, that he <laughs> that he dies in. It's the main character. Spoiler alert! In case none of y'all read this book from the 1920s, he dies in a pool at the end. The pool is the main character. It's the real hero. The pool's <laughs> the real villain. Anyway, so here we are, Kensington Park. We're not actually here to talk about swimming pools. Well, actually, that's exactly why we're here. 
So in the 1920s, J. Walter Dorr began drilling in what would become the park and came across an artisan well. The pool that he ended up creating from the well, because what else are you going to do with an artisan well but create a pool, was 200 feet long by 100 feet wide and was a great escape from the otherwise snake-infested, alligator-filled, coffee-hued waters of Georgetown's Five Rivers. Brown. Yeah. Coffee-hued. Water's yeah. brown. You shouldn't be swimming in brown water. That's a nice way of saying gross water. Basically. Mm. <laughs> Bacteria, here I come. Full of snakes that you are look... just ready and willing to eat me. That, and if you don't get eaten by alligators or bitten by water moccasins, guess what? You die of dysentery. Basically. Yay, dysentery! <laughs> uh, so the pool opened on April 22nd, 1924, and they had a grand ball with Ellington Symphony Orchestra. The park had a dining area underneath the oak trees. They'd also built a dancing pavilion so that way people could have balls and picnics and dinners and so much more. It was such a big deal uh, that they even installed heaters during the winter during their masked Halloween ball so that way people could keep on dancing well throughout the winter. In their second season, they actually installed a player piano, which we will return to this later, so that way the dancing could happen all the time. However, their second season was not without controversy. See, not everybody was a fan of swimming. They were also not fans of dancing. Some people felt that dancing was evil, and they also felt that males and females bathing together, because in the South, swimming was also called bathing, uh, was the devil's work. Hence bathing suits. Yes. Mm I learned something today. (laughs) I was today this many years old when I learned that. (laughs) Um, They were also pretty unhappy with Kensington Park because of a third evil, dear old Satan's whiskey. That's my favorite brand. (laughs) They believed that it was being snuck into the park, which is not an unreasonable assumption, considering that Georgetown had so many liquor stills that they were constantly being raided and seized for illegal whiskey operations. Um, plus, the sheriff and the deputy would occasionally show off the fancy confiscated stills that they found uh, in the town center just to be like, hey, look at this barrel. Yeah, because no, only one of them was shot. It wasn't Get the out. deputy. <laughs> Get out. And it wasn't the deputy. <laughs> Spoiler Look alert. at here, this bathtub we found that had gin in it. <laughs> I know it tastes like Christmas water. Cletus, shut up. <laughs> Cletus. Cletus, shut up. It tastes like Christmas water. (laughs) And that is the last time I will do a Southern chair for y'all. Also during their second season, uh, they had some issues with a bill trying to come to pass to prohibit public swimming pools. It was, of course, not passed, um, but it, it didn't end there, folks. Let's just put it that way. In September 7th, 1925, Judge C.J. Ramage of Saluda decided to go on record with the Georgia Times that swimming pools brought a disgrace to communities and threatened the foundation of civilization. It's a little dramatic. Just a tiny bit dramatic. Oh, 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 he gets worse. Oh, do tell. Do tell. He asked for restrictions on their use because they led to a breakdown in morals. He believed that they were basically akin to the devil's work uh, because married men were swimming with unmarried women and married women were with unmarried men and boys. Not sure why he threw boys in there, but... We know why. We all know why. We know why. He also said that swimming pools caused the drought that plagued South Carolina. So, really not a fan of swimming pools. Right, also a little dramatic, like... Oh, this is completely ruining everything here. Yeah. This is causing the drought. One swimming pool. You tell him to get out of that sin tub? <laughs> Cletus, I know I told him to get out of the sin tub, but they said they won't. I don't want to leave the swim tub. Sim- sin tub. It's a sin tub, and you ca- got to get it right first. I'll get it right. Sorry, I'll get it right second. Sin tub. <laughs> It smells like Christmas. They doing, they doing that devil's backstroke in that sin tub. Them, that fancy butterfly stroke in the sin tub. 
It's Lucifer's stroke, Cletus. Get it right. <laughs> but but we're getting off topic again, as we are oft to do. <laughs> that was really the last time that I'm going to do it, I promise. Yeah, that that's it. One of us has to. The southerner that can't do a southern accent. Anyway, so not only was he being a bit dramatic, I'm not sure if it was because his wife left him for somebody at a swimming pool, he didn't get his beach bod in time. I don't know. <laughs> who, my, hurt you? Yeah, who, hurt who hurt you? Who hurt you? My who wife hurt left you, me Ramage? for a swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> After a night's dance at 2.30 a.m., Kensington Park met an untimely end. It actually burned down. Ooh, mysterious. There are a few theories as to how the fire started. One was that someone carelessly dropped a cigarette and it spread. Um, another was that Dor himself did it uh, to seek some insurance money, but surprisingly enough, he didn't actually have any, well, he had little insurance on the park, so he wasn't really getting anything out of the deal, so there was no reason why he would have burned it down, plus it was making him a lot of money. Another theory, which I'm prone to believe this one, is that it had something to do with Mr. C.J. Ramage, Debbie Downer. I mean, maybe. Maybe somebody just read what he had said and kind of went rogue on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the park actually burned down just days after Ramage's remarks were printed in the Georgetown Times. As the story goes, the player piano played a jaunty tune as the park burned. It's possible that either Ramage himself or somebody who agreed with him uh, decided to burn down the Devil's Park. Um, It actually reopened the next summer, but it lacked the carefree abandon, and the dance pavilion wasn't rebuilt, so not a lot of people were showing up just to swim in the pool. Things were never the same, so unfortunately they decided to close the park and cover the pool with dirt, and trees were planted there. Today, the only remains of Kensington Park is a street, and it is now a residential area. Until Kevin Bacon shows up and saves us all. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this was the town that Footloose was based on. Yeah, probably. I can imagine that. Like, that's really, really over the top. Just this sin park here, totally responsible for destroying our good-natured here town. (laughs) Anyway... If you want to read more about this mystery or any of the other mysteries that are associated with Georgetown, check out Elizabeth Huntsinger Wolf's book, Georgetown Mysteries and Legends. She also has two other ones that focus on the city, and it's where I got my information and my research for the Kensington Park tragedy. So I guess in lieu of a last meal request, our fated victim had a last story request that he would like to tell you now. Well, it fits with the theme of uh, Myrtle Beach and, well, my fitting demise. In the early 1600s, pirates freely roamed the open seas and were the scourge of many a merchant's vessel. But perhaps the most infamous of them all was someone we had heard about in a previous story, Edward Tetch, known to the rest of the world as Blackbeard. Blackbeard was a well-known and ferocious pirate whose name was feared from Europe to the West Indies and all up and down the eastern coast of the United States. As the story goes, Blackbeard's ship, the Queen Anne's Revenge, stopped at a small island off of Myrtle's Inlet and present-day Myrtle Beach to unload and bury a surplus of hijacked rum. The pirates buried all but a few of the dozens of casks on the island that proceeded to enjoy a hearty feast of oysters and shrimp and gallons of stolen rum. After a night of hard drinking, partying and probably more than a few regrettable decisions the crew passed out in drunken stupors and slept through the night the next morning heads blazing in pain they boarded the ship and set off forgetting about a crew member named jack who was still sleeping off his massive hangover from the night before two years passed before the ship managed to make it back to the little island to recover the pirate's valuable hidden cargo and well jack figuring that the maroon man would be more than happy to see his mates after all this time. Well, instead, the crew found 32 empty rum casks scattered up and down the beach and over the edge of the Myrtle and Palmetto scrub, the sun-bleached bones of old Jack. 
who they said died with a smile on his face. The island itself now bears Jack's name, known locally as Drunken Jack's Island. It is also home to the restaurant and bar of the same name, which of course is pirate-themed. In other versions of the story, Blackbeard drops off the stolen rum and leaves Jack, one of his crewmen, behind to guard the spoils, only to return a few years later to find the rum gone and Jack's bones. True tale of pirate shenanigans, or local folklore, you decide. Now there are some inconsistencies with this, as Blackbeard wasn't born until approximately 1680, uh, and 1600 would have been far too early, uh, and there was no official records of Blackbeard coming to the island uh, or being in the area. Plus, at low tide, you can walk across to the mainland. It'd be pretty stupid to die on an island that's not really an island when you can just like get up and walk to the mainland across the sandbar. That's true, but I guess if you were like pissed out drunk, yeah, when you have that much rum. Yeah, if he drank thirty-two casks of rum, which a cask of rum is huge. Yeah, it's gallons upon gallons of rum. I was just Um, about to ask how big a cask is. I don't think they ever taught us that in school. (laughs) Um. This yeah, here pool cold. is five <laughs> casks deep and 20 casks wide. It holds plenty wow, of that's s- a lot of casks. It holds plenty of sin water. <laughs> <laughs> this here sin water. Brewed it right here in my bathtub. <laughs> also known as a pool. It's 259 gallons. 259 gallons. Per cask. No. <laughs> He ain't walking off that island. He's, <laughs> he's lucky he's not walking around in circles, which is probably what happened. He couldn't walk at all if he's drinking 200 gallons of rum. That explains how after only two years there were bones, because he probably died from alcohol poisoning two days in. Probably. Yeah, probably. Like, that's a good point. Yeah. Probably like almost immediate death. Because he was probably like, oh, well, this is how it ends. I'm going to go out happy. And then... Little did he know someone was going to come to rescue him. Okay, hold on a second. Let me go back into this. So I found on another site it says, so that's, I think that's a different unit of measurement. Oh. So a whiskey barrel is just to the cask that holds 53 gallons, which is still a lot. Yeah, that is still, still a, lot. a lot. That's a lot of rum, and that's a lot of rum for one person. And so. still calling alcohol poisoning. Well, yeah. I mean, to be fair, they were pirates, and they basically lived off of rum, which is they live off of something called grog. Nobody really drank water back then. No. So they would mix rum with water um, to kill the bacteria in it and all that, you know, good stuff. So they basically had a pretty high tolerance for, for alcohol. Um, but still, 32 casks of rum when each cask holds 52 gallons, that's still a lot of rum. That's so he probably did drink himself to death. Probably, absolutely. At I some mean, point. He's thinking like, oh, they just left me behind, you know. So fuck them, I'm going to drink all their booze. <laughs> fuck them. That's how I'm going to get back at them. Like Little they, did he know. They're going to come back for their treasure. Surprise, there isn't any. I drank it all. Because I drank it. And then afterwards, it, you know, pauses and plays the meme. That's like, that's when he knew he fucked up. <laughs> it's when he knew he yeah. done fucked up. <laughs> he fucked up. Um, I'm wondering, though, if he drank all those casks. Because like she said, like, there's no way you would be able to drink like more than one and not succumb to alcohol poisoning unless you did it slowly. So I'm wondering if he like in a fit of, I'm going to show these fuckers for leaving me here, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. kept a few for himself so he could just drink and party, but then just broke the rest of them. Oh, maybe. Just like oh. busted the rest of them open. Like I'll show you. You're going to fucking come back for nothing. Probably in a fit of drunken rage. I would have just started filling them with my piss so that when they came back for them, they drank my piss instead of They were like, we (laughs) came back for this stolen rum. Oh, God, it's pee. That is hateful. No wonder they're going to make you walk the plank. Hateful. They left him on a fucking island. That's true. You reap what you sow, and you sowed pee. And you sowed pee. (laughs) And you sowed pee. (laughs) And you sowed nothing but a barrel full of piss. I guess he couldn't. I guess he didn't really realize that it was a bit of an accident. Like, oops. We left Jack behind. (laughs) Well, and then that's one of the stories. Like the one that seems that could be more realistic would be the fact that they left him behind intentionally. Mm -hmm. I think the funnier story is that that like, oops, it's like Home Alone, but it's with pirates and rum. Home Alone, but with pirates. (laughs) They forgot to leave. They just left Jack like, and he just did the ah Macaulay Culkin thing and then got drunk on a bunch of rum. Just splashed the rum on his hands and like put it on his face and it burned. Ah! Yeah, basically. When you say Home Alone, but with pirates, the first thought is instead of robbers, it's pirates, but it would still have to be robbers robbing the pirates in this case. That's a really dumb idea for robbers to rob pirates, though. 
I, I feel like they're going to get out robbed. Even if those robbers are Joe Pesci and that's Daniel true. Stern. <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's the funnier story is him being left by accident, but probably, and like Quincy was saying, the there's obviously factual and historical inaccuracies in the story that Blackbeard wasn't born until 1680. Um, 1600 would have been way too early for any of this to happen. And there's actually no records of Blackbeard being in the area. So besides all that, I think the more realistic story would be that hey, I'm going to leave you here to guard our shit. We're going to come back when the heat's off. And he just got bored. Yeah. And drank himself to death and in a stupor. Plus Great. exposure and Yeah, and that. like, if you're drinking nothing, if you're just like hanging out in an island where there's, it doesn't really mention that there's any other foodstuffs. Like, it doesn't mention that there's any like rivers or fresh water or like, animals he could hunt or catch i mean basically he's just left with rum as his one like ration right to his own devices completely and he was too drunk to catch anything let's face it like he was probably too (laughs) sauced to catch a damn thing i just have this image in my head come here bird come come over here bird it's like jack i'm gonna grill you jack that's a rock (laughs) that's a that's a rock dude dude that's a rock. That's going to break your teeth, dude. <laughs> it's one of those rock pigeons. Side note, the so one that's telling him, dude, it. that's a rock, is the bird. Like, dude, <laughs> yeah. that's a rock. That That's not me. He's drank, he's drank enough where he's like starting to hear the animals talk. They're like, dude, dude, are you okay? <laughs> Maybe you should quit. <laughs> it's 9 a.m. Do you need to talk? <laughs> <laughs> do you do you need us to call somebody? <laughs> somebody can call does, somebody. Does he have a sponsor? Someone call his sponsor. <laughs> he is off the wagon. Off the wagon completely off the wagon off the boat so what do you think possible inspiration behind jack sparrow considering left on an island with rum same name i mean could be um it definitely sounds kind of jack sparrow-esque kind of yeah at least a cute nod towards it and by i'm using the word cute very loosely (laughs) i mean it does seem like it could be inspired by it doesn't that happen in like the second movie no it happens in the first one in the first one where he gets well yeah, that does happen in the first one, I guess, where he gets marooned with with rum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a uh, but isn't uh, Kiara Knightley with him? And uh, oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. hey, she's she? like, how dare you? She yeah, they off both get kind of like, left on the island. And he's doing his crazy Keith Richards walk and whatever he's doing. Yeah, you know Johnny Depp. He's basically a pirate. Let's be honest. Basically, basically, I love that he actually showed up to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland just to like kind of hide there and surprise people that's the kind of shit i would do i love that i mean he's on the ride now i guess there is a version i haven't been to disneyland since pirates of the caribbean's been out but i guess they're they put him in there about three times did they put him in there okay i was like i heard he's he's in there quite a bunch oh yeah he, he's in there a couple of times popping up out of a barrel to like read a treasure map over some guy's shoulder you, I, I do think you mean treasure map oh i do mean treasure map r <laughs> says i his chair be high says i <laughs> And that was the last pirate voice I'm going to do for you. Last you got you got voice. two impressions, y'all. You got Southern Sheriff and you got Pirate. Who's going to say that you get two of those in one episode? You got Brother of Cletus who remains unnamed <laughs> and, and a pirate. It's Cletus Jr. Basically. Because <laughs> he's his brother and also his son. It's Cletus and this is my brother Cletus Jr. This my sister Cletus Cletus Jr. the third. <laughs> So I think we did the area some spooky justice, don't you guys? I agree. I agree. Are there any other stories that you guys came across or like things that kind of like stuck out? I know Quincy had one um, interesting fact about Myrtle Beach that the movie The Strangers was filmed there. Yeah, I mean, that's about it. <laughs> I went through a whole list of movies that were filmed there and most of them were things like The Notebook. Ugh. So I was yeah. stuck with The Strangers. And those we will not talk about on this podcast. I Absolutely mean, not. some would argue they're spooky in their own right. Nicholas Sparks can die in a fire (laughs) (laughs) while a jaunty tune plays in the background in the background if somebody doesn't play the Charleston while he burns I'm gonna be real pissed so if you're in the Myrtle Beach area a couple other maybe points of interest points of spooky interest I should say um, would be Litchfield Plantation where some people say that Dr. Henry Tucker the plantation's owner in the late 1800s still hangs out People have reported seeing him in the blue room. It's said that he used to ring the bell at the entrance gate in the middle of the night until the bell was removed a couple of years ago. 
removed for good reason because he kept on fucking Pe- ringing it. <laughs> waking people up, apparently. Waking people up, you know. <laughs> That's loud enough to wake the dead. <laughs> Haven't heard that one before. Oh. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to haunt you just for that, just for that joke. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, ghoul babes, Las Vegas, coming for your ass. <laughs> Another- All of a sudden in the middle of the night you hear Ding. 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 Oh no, he found the doorbell. Oh damn it. Oh, son of a bitch. He's gonna lose his mind when he finds out about doorbells. <laughs> so there's another spot called the Morgan Ginsler House, which is uh supposedly the site of some ghosts of some Union soldiers. Uh it was once used as a Civil War hospital. Uh the Strand Theater, where people report a ghost wandering the balcony. They hear footsteps, but they don't see anyone. That seems to be a common theme with all these haunted places. Like, we hear footsteps, but we don't actually see anything. Yeah, very rarely do people actually see, like, apparitions. And stuff. Yeah, an Other apparition is harder like, to capture. That's yeah. true. Usually it's in the form of, like, mist or fog yeah. or something Or, like, like the that. orbs of light or, like, a smudge where it looks like a smudge on the lens or something, yeah. Right, it's hardly anything corporeal. Is that how you say that? Yeah, that's how you yeah, say corporeal. that. <laughs> uh, there's also a Boone Hall plantation, the ghost of a soldier that also may wander the grounds. There have been reports of a soldier trying to save another soldier by removing a bullet, which obviously did not work. <laughs> <laughs> like when you get bit by a snake, try to suck out the venom. I guess he tried to suck out the bullet and then he died. <laughs> and somehow shot himself in the head by sucking out the bullet. Fun fact for the listeners, don't actually do the snake venom thing. It doesn't work. You're both going to die if you do that. Yeah, it's very likely that you're going to have cuts in your mouth. Just, you know, little micro cuts that happen over time. It's going to get in there. Don't do not do that. <laughs> also, you can do a guided tour of Adelaide Castle, which was built by Archer Huntington. It's said that the castle's haunted by Archer's wife, Anna Huntington, who died of tuberculosis, as most people did back then. The consumption. The <laughs> consumption. Many people report feeling a presence among them during their tours, as well as actually seeing the specter of a woman roaming the halls. Interesting, interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of apparitions and ghosts, um, if you are in the Myrtle Beach area, there's also uh, some ghost walks and ghost tours that you can do. In Conway, there's the Conway Ghost Walk. Uh, There's also the Barefoot Landings Ghost and Legends Theater, the Merle's Inlet Ghost Tours, um, and if you are there for Halloween, uh, you can check out Broadway at the Beaches Celebrity Square, where people dress up and have fun. Uh, there's also Hallow Scream, and of course, there's a bunch of haunted houses like Dr. Screams. And like I mentioned last episode, Ripley's Haunted Adventure. Yes, folks, it's still going. Ooh. Will I go again? No! <laughs> <laughs> right after the clown incident. Zero out of ten again. would not recommend. <laughs> I was... I was grabbed by a clown. Never, never again. So that actually confused me when you talked about that in the last episode, because I was thinking of the museum, which is actually in Florida. Yeah, now um, it's like a... I didn't know they did like an event in other states. So that was actually kind of interesting for me. They also, I guess, do zombies now. They've moved on from clowns. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're not just going to do zombie clowns now. They've just... evolved. Don't, don't give them ideas. Zombie clowns. Delete this. Yeah, delete this. Please <laughs> don't pitch. Stop out. pitching. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, there's Terror Under the Bridge, which is perhaps one of the most popular things to do in Myrtle Beach around the Halloween time. Oh. And some of these ones, they have a tour guide that'll, you know, be dressed in costume and lead you with a lantern and that kind of whole, like, immersive experience through, like, you know, certain haunted areas, telling you stories about things we've captured in this show, as well as a few other things. So definitely go check it out. Um, there's some that are year round. And as Jade said, there are a couple that are seasonal. Um, so since October is going to be rapidly approaching us, uh, I definitely recommend going and checking them out. Too rapidly approaching us. I feel like I'm not ready. Like I'm simultaneously, I can't wait and I'm not ready. I feel like I'm not worthy yet. I'm not worthy. <laughs> what do you have to be do to be worthy of October? Uh, stuff your house with Michael's and Joanne's Halloween section. I mean, I basically I have that up already. Like mine, <laughs> mine don't go anywhere. It's true. When we Fair. said new house decorations, we meant new house decorations but usually at least at my house for halloween we usually do a theme and we get really really into it and we start planning sometime in like june or july and we know what our theme is gonna be we just don't have the stuff so i feel like i'm not worthy (laughs) i mean my like again my stuff doesn't go away like (laughs) halloween decorations are for year-round decorating i agree (laughs) okay 
for year round decorating. Like that stuff does not go back into the cabinets. It just stays out. I keep all my, you know, my spooky candelabras and my little black glitter trees and skulls everywhere. And I'm like, you know what? If you don't like it, eat my ass. You don't like it. Sorry. (laughs) Don't come over to my house. Like (laughs) that's just all there is to it. You don't like Halloween. You ain't gonna like what's what's going on in there. So, which I, that boggles me too, is when people are like, "I don't like Halloween." I don't get that. Yeah, who did, who gave you a toothbrush as a kid when you trick or treated? <laughs> that must have been it. Maybe they got something really crummy or shitty for trick or treats, and that's why they're like, "Fuck it, I hate oh, Halloween." Like somebody gave you a kazoo that doesn't work. It was a broken <laughs> a broken things. kazoo. What is like that is like the saddest thing I think you could get like trick or treating. Right, like I'd be happier especially with if you're like kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> And it doesn't make a sound because it's fucking broken. Or a box of raisins. That was another bad one. Box of raisins. They give you a Not box of chocolate covered. First of all, listeners, raisins are the devil's turds. Let's just throw that out there. They're horrible and disgusting. I like Unless raisins. Unless they're in cookies. They're disgusting either way. <laughs> horrible and disgusting. Terrible. I like you th- raisins. You think avocados taste like grass clippings. I think raisins are the devil's turds. Agree to disagree. To their own. <laughs> Tomato, tomato, potato, But that's like, that's just for a kid that hates raisins. Let's call the whole thing raisins. Let's call the whole thing raisins. (laughs) Um, For a kid that hates raisins, that's like possibly the worst thing. That's like a, that's a trick in your bag. That's not a treat. That's a trick. You might as well just throw a a sprung mousetrap in there and just wait for me to dig my little fingers in there. (laughs) You're giving me ideas. (laughs) If she actually does this, I completely disavow myself from this and please don't sue. I'm not going to do this. I actually love the little trick-or-treaters that, that come around because they love all of our decorations and we put a lot of work into it. I just wish we had more trick-or-treaters. I don't have any. I live please in an apartment. Please come to her house. Yeah, please. Please come to my Anyone house. Anyone who's listening who's in the area, please like come to her house and trick-or-treat. Please come to my house. Meet the ghoul babes. I mean, I won't, I be, won't there, be there, but that's fine. <laughs> you can meet some of them. You can meet her. <laughs> meet one-third of the ghoul babes and the editor. Yes. You can meet those two, but we won't be there. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we won't be there for Halloween anyway because we'll be in Tonopah. Yes, that's that's so kind of a little bit of a spoiler for one of our future episodes. In uh, as one of our October episodes, we're going to be doing a recap of a paranormal investigation we're going to be doing at the Mizpah Hotel, and that is as much as I will tell you guys about that right now. Nothing more. So, so you have to stay tuned. That, and long story short, don't show up at Lauren's house. <laughs> yeah, please don't actually do that. Please don't show up at my house. <laughs> if you know, if you actually have knowledge on where I am, please don't show up. I like my privacy and my alone time. <laughs> she really kind of does. Or if you do show up, just bring her a box of spiders. She'll like it. Do not bring me a box <laughs> of spiders. <laughs> it's a great housewarming gift. It is not a great housewarming gift. You just open it up and just... <laughs> Oh, wait, wait, I get it. It's a housewarming gift because I will literally light my house on fire. See, now <laughs> oh, you now oh, you see what I'm getting at. Okay, I, I get it now. It was a funny. Also, just a quick shout out to spiritnest.com. I recently purchased their Sage Witch line of skincare products, which includes a face cream as well as an eye cream. And I'm happy to report that I love them. I do. (laughs) I, like many, have extremely dark circles under my eyes from my many late nights spent frightening children and creeping into people's nightmares, and so far this is the only product that has shown me any improvement. Now I look just as normal as everyone else, and you'll never see me coming. Also, for my fellow witches out there, spiritnest.com has plenty of things for your altar, so be sure to give them a visit. Also, I should note, this review is non-sponsored. So that's about all the time we have for you monsters listening out there. Remember to find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Tumblr under This Spooky Show. So we also have a website. It's uh, thisspookyshow.wixsite.com slash thisspookyshow. Our episodes are on there. Uh, They're also available on iTunes, on Spotify, and on Stitcher. Um, where you get your reliable sources for podcasts. And hey, if you like what we do and you want us to keep scaring the crap out of you on a regular basis or just hear us talk about ridiculous shit and ridiculous accents, (laughs) throw some coin at us on our Patreon. Patreon. I did it right that time. She did it. Or on a fucking circus song. You and the circus song. I can't. So throw some money at us on our Patreon. There you go. Or on coffee. And join us in two weeks for episode four, Ripperology, the unsolved case of Jack the Ripper. 
Stay spooky, friends. friends.